0: Unique, yet common-sense opinions on sports. This is Jeff Allen's Sports Talk. We're talking playoffs. The Orlando Magic finally back in the NBA playoffs after a seven-year drought. We will speak to Zach Oliver, senior editor of the Orlando Pinstripe Post, in a little bit to talk about the upcoming series with the Toronto Raptors. Zach is standing by in the virtual green room, and we'll get to him momentarily. First, a couple of other... NBA notes to touch upon so the retirement of two NBA legends Dwayne Wade with the Heat Dirk Nowitzki with the Dallas Mavericks and uh, you don't have enough words to talk about all their greatness and all their classiness and um, first starting with Dwayne Wade if you, if you saw the Budweiser tribute and boy if it didn't hit you right, in the, right there You have no feelings. Uh, That was a well, well done, well done spot by Budweiser. And uh, Dwayne Wade brought the championships to the Miami Heat, teaming up with Shaquille O'Neal, also with LeBron James, and uh, was certainly a a classy, terrific player, clutch player. And you could say the same thing about Dirk Nowitzki. He spent 21 years with the Dallas Mavericks, he is so revered in that town. He is almost like Roger Staubach, revered. That's how, how amazing he has been. And uh, great to see all the, uh, the, uh, the the X-Stars come out and uh, join his tribute in his last home game. And it was great to see that sweet fadeaway jumper <laughs> one last time. And, of course, he did bring the Mavericks championships as well. And, uh, again, those two guys... Certainly, I said, not only great players, but classy, wonderful guys and, you know, best of them in their retirement. Magic Johnson says, I quit. (laughs) That was an odd situation a few days ago when he decided to announce he was resigning his position as the top executive officer officer, uh, for basketball with the uh, Los Angeles Lakers. Without telling genie Bus or anybody else for that matter, not even LeBron. And uh, you know, if it wasn't Magic Johnson, you know, I would want to say, man, this is the classic take this job and shove it move. <laughs> but uh you know, he wanted to he wants to fire Luke Walton, or wanted to fire Luke Walton as the case might be, and uh According to him, Genie Buss didn't want to, so he didn't want to have that conflict. He doesn't get along with Rob Lincoln, the general manager. This is a whole lot of drama going on there in Lakerland, and uh, they got a lot of fixing to do. And Ma- Magic now will go back to being able to uh, talk to NBA players without fear of being cited for tampering. All right, we are excited to be talking about the Orlando Magic back in the NBA playoffs. And joining us to do that is Zach Oliver, the senior editor of the Orlando Pinstripe Post, one of my favorite sources to find magic news and information. Zach, thanks
1: for uh, taking the time. No problem, Jeff. I'm happy to be here.
0: Well, so Zach, let's uh, look back a little bit. Back near towards the end of January, the Magic were 20 and 31, 11 games under 500. They take seven of eight before the All-Star break. And over the last... Part of the regular season, the last 30-odd games or so, they're one of the hottest teams in the NBA. What do you think was the formula for all this coming together?
1: I think there was a couple of things. Uh, The biggest thing is the defense really picked up. Um, I actually wrote something about this for Orlando Pinstripe Post the other night. Um, Up until January 29th, when they lost at home to the Oklahoma City Thunder, the match were 16th in the league in defensive rating, giving up 109.2 points per 100 possessions. Since then, this isn't updated uh, to include last night's games, but um, they were first in the league at uh, giving up 104.3 points. They've improved a ton rebounding. They've been the best defensive rebounding team since that time, and they're third overall in the league. And another big thing has been the bench. You know, Steve Clifford talked ad nauseum throughout the season about struggling to find two units that he could trust and then it was really after the two-game home stand magic had in the middle of january against the houston rockets and the boston celtics that we kind of saw them find a little bit of something once isaiah briscoe and kim birch were both inserted into the lineup um replacing jerry and grant and mo bomb respectively and then once they traded Jonathan Simmons and Wessel Wondu was getting those consistent minutes as a backup small forward, we saw a, a bit more continuity with that group, and that's really helped the starters to you know, build off of what they've started and not come back into the game and have to rally as much as they were um, early in the season. Obviously, Briscoe went down with a knee injury, and now it's Michael Carter-Williams. And while Carter-Williams isn't the best shooter... He's done everything that's been asked of him. He pushes the pace. He plays defense. He's come up with some big rebounds multiple times. So they've changed a lot. And you know, Evan Fournier was asked this um, after their win on Friday night against the Hawks at home. You know, what's changed? And he just said that teams change throughout the season. Um, and he also pointed to that stretch that you mentioned before the All-Star break where they won seven of eight as being kind of the starting point and it got them back on track.
0: You know, and we've obviously suffered quite a bit through reboots and rebuilds and, you know, when Steve Clifford was brought on, not the sexiest name out there, but, you know, familiarity from uh, from his past with the Magic as an assistant and he's always been known as a, as a lockdown defensive coach. Um, how would you assess the job he has done in getting this team back to the playoffs
1: i think he's done a, a great job honestly you know we saw how scott skiles and frank vogel you know were able to get the majority of this group, hands a few pieces here and there out to quick starts but then they kind of came crashing back down to earth you know this team got off to a mediocre starting mean, they, they weren't bad they were hovering around 500 for a little bit and then they kind of hit that rough patch and then it all turned around you know i think the fact that cliff has instilled a mindset that they can beat a beat anyone in the league but also held his guys accountable has been huge and you hear guys talk about cliff in the highest regards and, and just how great of a coach he is i believe john denton of orlandomagic.com Uh, tweeted a quote earlier from a story that he had that said uh from Terrence Ross that said that Steve Clifford was probably the smartest coach he's ever played for wow you know we're talking about somebody who played in Toronto and played for playoff teams so it he's been big and I get that he wasn't that new that you know young sexy pick but once he was let go by the Charlotte Hornets following last season, I thought he was the guy that the Magic needed to go after because of how no nonsense he was and how much he's how much, you know, of an impact he had with the Hornets and getting them back to the playoffs and how much they rebounded in the second half of his first year. I think we see a lot of the same things with this Magic team that team.
0: Yeah, and thankfully now that drought is over, the Magic are back in the playoffs as a seven seed, taking on the Toronto Raptors, the two seed. Magic and Raptors split their four games during the regular season, and you know, for Orlando, you got to like the fact that you're playing you know your best basketball coming into the playoffs.
1: Yeah, you do, and you know the Magic played, Sands, you know the Bucks, where they won one game without Giannis Antetokounmpo. You know, they played those top four seeds in the Eastern Conference pretty well this season. You know, they won two against both Toronto and Philadelphia, and they really kind of made Philadelphia look a, bit, a little bit silly when Philadelphia was in town a few weeks ago. And then they swept the season series with Boston. So, yeah, I think that the fact that they're playing their best basketball now is going to be good for them. It's going to be a tough challenge that Toronto team you know, figured something out against them a little bit when they played about a week and a half ago in Toronto. They really were able to shut down Magic's pick and roll, which is vital to their offense. And, you know, Kawhi Leonard is going to play more than he was in the regular season.
0: Yeah, you look at the, uh, both teams are strong defensively. The Magic, uh, eighth best defensive team, Toronto fifth best. Um, What do you see as the key matchups?
1: I think when you look at it, you got to look at the point guard with D.J. Augustine and Kyle Lowry. Lowry's had a history of kind of having some slower starts in the playoffs and and not maybe playing his best basketball. And then you've got D.J. Augustine, who's playing arguably the best basketball of his career this season. And he's really put it all together and, and been a key cog for this Magic team. And then in the front court with both Aaron Gordon against Kawhi Leonard and then... Jonathan Isaac playing Pascal Siakam. You know, mm-hmm. th- those two are, are going to be really important because Gordon and Isaac had some success against them this season, and C- especially with Siakam, he is such an important part to their offense. He can make plays, he can knock down that, that outside shot, and he just does all these little things for them. So if they can take him out of the game a little bit, I think that'll help. And then also... With Kawhi, he can, he can get his own whenever he wants. He's one of the top ten players in the league still, and Aaron Gordon's going to have, have his hands full, but Gordon is the guy that is up for that test. He's said time and time again that he wants to be out there defending his or the opposing team's best player, and even before the season, he talked about how important it was for him to become a better two-way player. And that's something that Steve Clifford said. And I think that we've seen that throughout this season. So how he fares against Kawhi, how Jonathan Isaac uh, does against Pascal Siakam, and then the point guard is going to be huge in that series.
0: Yeah, and I do like the fact that you know the, the, the Magic have good length, which which helps them uh, take on those two uh, key scorers.
1: Yeah, it does. And you know it, it's going to help them limit passing lanes a little bit and, and be able to get out and hopefully score some transition buckets, which will be huge because, you know, the pace slows down so much in the postseason. You know, the magic aren't the fastest playing team in the league and the Raptors, you know, aren't afraid to slow down and kind of muck the game up, especially since they had added, um, Marcus all the trade deadline. So I think we'll see two teams with pretty close, pretty similar styles. Um, Really be going toe to toe in this first round of series, and it's going to be tough for the Magic because that's still a very good Toronto team, and Toronto is not going to be an easy place to play for them.
0: Well, uh, one man who will is probably looking forward to the opportunity coming off the bench. Terrence Ross, he has been a microwave, um, and uh, of course he played for the Raptors, and uh, I'm, he's hoping, I'm sure, to uh, to maybe show them a little bit.
1: Yeah, I'm I'm sure that he is. And, you know, I was answering some questions recently for Raptors Republic of uh, Fansided. They're asking a few questions about the Magic, and they mentioned that Ross has kind of struggled against the Raptors this season. And I think that, you know, naturally, when you're playing against your former team, you're going to kind of push the issue a little bit and and try to get a little bit extra out of it. So if, if Ross can kind of play within himself and keep doing the things that he's done well this season. I mean, he comes off screen super hard when he's got guys chasing him. He can feel the contact and draw the fouls really well. I don't have the exact number, but I believe he drew was he at 35 or 36 uh, fouls shooting three pointers this season. It's amazing. <laughs> yeah. He, he just, he has such a good knack for that. And when defenders step up and into him, when he's landing, that's a foul too because you have to give um, the shooter room to land. So, if he can do that, and you know, if even if his outside shot isn't falling, how he can impact the game is with his drives. You know, we saw it last night in the season finale against the Hornets. He got going early with a couple of drives, hit a jumper, and then knocked down his first few threes. And as everyone's been calling him, the human torch was lit.
0: <laughs>
1: and that's going to be so important for this team if they want to really push the Raptors in this first round series.
0: And of course, as a team plays well, you also have to get a little bit of things to fall your way. And it's been amazing to me. You mentioned earlier, Michael Carter Williams has come in late and uh, really provided some, uh, some great depth at the point. And uh, how, how fortunate the magic were to have him come along when he did.
1: I think they are they were rather fortunate, you know, Jerry and Grant really struggled in his time early in the season. And then once Isaiah Briscoe went down, it, it kind of seemed like, you know, we would see some, some issues again with that second unit. Then they find a guy in Michael Carter Williams who was fighting for his livelihood in this league. And he's come in, and uh, I mentioned it before, he isn't the best shooter, but he's doing everything that's asked of him. And that's really the biggest thing that you need from your backup point guard. Um, and you know, if he's going to defend at the level he can, if he rebounds, pushes the pace and just makes plays for them, that's going to be huge for the second unit. And it's kind of a calming influence too. And it's impressive how quickly he's had this impact. And I think that you look back on his time with Steve Clifford when he was with the Hornets before as a, as a reason that it was such a seamless transition for him.
0: All right, so the, the, the Magic will start off the series in Toronto if they could somehow force a split, get back to Amway. They've won nine in a row at, at home. It's great to see that uh, they got a home
1: court advantage. They do, and Toronto, historically, in the last few years, has come out a little sluggish and a little slow in their first game at home. So I think anything's possible. Um, and, you know, th- the biggest thing for the Magic will be the fact that the two games at home, um, I don't know if they're both sold out completely. Last I had checked, and last I had heard, both games only had some single, uh, single some single seats left. And the second game, game four, was almost completely sold out. So they're going to have the Amway Center rocking, and you can feel the buzz amongst the fan base and the city. It, it's palpable now. You know, it's it's something that we haven't seen or felt since those Dwight Howard teams and the last team that made the playoffs in 2011,
0: 2012. And with, uh, with this, uh, series, how do you, how do you think it eventually goes? Obviously Toronto is a two seed is, is, is the better team and they have a lot, a lot more firepower. How do you, how do you, how do you think it plays out?
1: I think the magic steel one along the way, be it in, you know, one of the games in Toronto or even game three, if they, if they lose both games in Toronto, I think they win game three coming back. Because they'll put a lot of pressure on themselves to win that game and and they'll really want to win one for their home crowd, especially with how much this fan base has gone through recently. Um, that being said, you know, while they will be a tough matchup for Toronto with the way that they've been playing and and everything, I think it's it's gonna be too much. Toronto is such a talented team. I think Toronto ends up winning the series in five. You know, maybe the Magic can push it back to six and get back to Orlando but I, I can't see it going much past that.
0: All right, Zach, uh, anything you want to shamelessly plug as far as social media and what you got coming up at the Orlando pinstripe post?
1: Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Zach or MBA. Um, v- very fair warning. Um, with the masters being this weekend, we're recording this on Thursday evening. Um, there will be quite a few tweets about that mixed in with magic, tweets, <laughs> uh, come Saturday evening. Um, I, I, Mentioned it before. I, I wrote this piece on how the Magic kind of turned the season around, and we'll have a lot of fun playoff stuff coming up that I don't want to give too many spoilers about.
0: Oh, that's okay. Keep, keep them one and more, right? Yep, <laughs> exactly. All right, Zach Oliver, senior editor of the Orlando Pinstripe Post. Thanks so much for being here. Thanks for having me on, Jeff. Yeah, and I couldn't resist breaking out the old Pointer Sisters. I'm so excited. One of the themes used in one of the great old NBA commercials back in the 80s. People dancing around and enjoying themselves. And it is exciting to have the Orlando Magic finally back in the NBA playoffs for the first time since the Dwight Howard disaster. So that is definitely good news there. Um, I'm going to go a little bit more on the limb. I'm going to say the Magic make this a six-game series. They're gonna be a tough out for the Raptors because they are playing well. Their defense is, you know, defense travels, and I think they're I think they're good enough to make this make this a six-game series and get a couple of wins. So we will see what happens there. Well, the Virginia Cavaliers are the national champions. And as we've well documented on the many bracket specials I I did in recent weeks just amazing to be the team that was the first to lose to a 16 seed just a season earlier was trailing a 16 seed by double digits in Gardner-Webb in the first first round game and boy it was just all written to be like oh my god this is going to happen again but they got it straight they went through they won three games down the stretch in which they trailed in the last 15 seconds you know, the tip-out play where they where Clark throws it in to Diakite to get the game-tying shot. That's an, just such an unorthodox and amazing play that happened. And I will say this about the tournament this year. Now, I like more Cinderella stories in my NCAA diet, but if you're going to give me games like we got throughout. You know, UCF-Duke, you, you know, you know, still breaks my heart to see that ball roll off the rim every time they show that highlight. But you look at all the close games that were going down the stretch in the Sweet 16, the Elite Eight. Overtimes, you know, we had three overtimes down the stretch. So if you're going to give me that kind of drama, I can live with a little less Cinderella but I do want to see more of those next year because I am greedy. Mick Cronin is off to UCLA. The Cincinnati Bear Co- Bearcats coach has decided to move out west and take that job. Maybe about the fifth option that the Bruins had gone after. Obviously, John Calipari, Rick Barnes, among others. But Mick Cronin's a good coach, and but is he going to be able to satisfy a delusional fan base that thinks you know that that they should be what they were in the John Wooden era, which ain't going to happen. We'll see what he does. He's you know he's, he's he did a great job at Cincinnati. Got them to the to the NCAA tournament last nine seasons. Only one six Sweet Sixteen appearance, but he will have a pool of talent to go after in sunny California. We will see how that goes. I think he's. He's got a longer job ahead of him than, than that fan base thinks there is in front of him. UCF will play their spring game this coming Saturday, and all eyes will be on the quarterback position. <laughs> you know it will. Kadri Jones, Dylan Gabriel, DJ Mack, Brandon Wimbush. Folks want to see who's going to be the QB coming into the 2019 season. Well, I think you and I—it's safe to say—have the same batting average as Chris Davis of the Baltimore Orioles, zero. This is unfortunate. Um, you know, he's now broken the record for most at bats without a hit, forty-nine and counting. Um, and this just is not any good. Keep sticking him in the lineup. And Baltimore is a bad team that is trying to rebuild. They can't trade. They can't trade him. 'Cause nobody's gonna take a guy that can't hit. But releasing him and letting him find his way back, he's out of options, so they can't send him to the minors unless he really says, Okay, I need to do this. But uh you know, a guy that hit fifty homers not so long ago, was awarded a big contract, and now can't can't get it done at all, can't get the wit on the ball. The Masters is underway at Augusta. I have to go into my gym dance voice. First round leaderboard as we record this on a Thursday. Bryson DeChambeau. Brooks Kepka at the top at minus six. Phil Mickelson one shot back. Everybody wants to know where Tiger Woods is. He's at two under. He was at uh, three under atop the leaderboard with several competitors for a good chunk of the day. I'm just hoping they don't over overdo Tiger if he makes a cut on the weekend. I they a lot of folks give him a chance to win this tournament. I don't see it happening. And our final note tonight: Aaron Rodgers. You know, this is a you know, a lot of folks have been critical of him, and he has now lashed back in an interview with the Milwaukee radio station. Saying that these guys are just out to out to get him and and uh, further their own agendas and this kind of story here. And look, quarterbacks by and large are prima donnas. You know, Ben Roethlisberger, Aaron Rodgers, and and you just what I hate about this is you see that especially because of social media. And all the twenty four seven coverage, you know, we're getting exposed to all the stuff that we were never exposed to before. He doesn't like me. I'm not going to throw him the ball. <laughs> you know, come on. I liked it better when there was a last letter, this letting out of the uh, the emotions, and this stuff stayed in the locker room. Packers have uh, some work to do. I mean, Rodgers is a great quarterback. But, you know, has he, you know, has he fractured his team? That all is remains to be seen in the upcoming NFL season. Go to com. You can catch any of my podcasts there. I'm also on the Nightline Sports Network, joining that team with uh, uh, Sons of UCF, the nightline show and i now do the aac report so make sure you check that out nightlinesports.com and if you haven't subscribed already please do so i'm available on many of those fine platforms where podcasts are delivered and with that we are done here L-V-E dot net.